Let's pray. Our Father, we know that we bring nothing to You, yet our our sin has prevented us from even coming before You. But we thank You that through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we are emptied of all of our selves and that we may submit our lives to You in freedom and in hope that You will bring us into Your full joy. We confess our sins again to You this afternoon. And we pray that You would free us the things that bind us that we might better use our energy and strength to serve You all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please turn again this afternoon to Matthew chapter 6. Read verses 5 through 8. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. This section of verses is, as we saw this morning, part of a larger context of Jesus' instruction about how we should not do things to gain the attention or the admiration or esteem of others, but that instead we should do all that we do unto God. Because He is the one that made us. He made us for Himself. We're told we don't belong to ourselves anymore, but we're bought with a price. And therefore, we're to glorify God in our bodies and our spirits, which all belong to Him. And so it's because of this that Jesus said our prayers should be to God. Now, there are times when our prayers will be public. You can't do everything in total isolation. And that includes praying. Men and women pray in their homes. If you are single, you probably have the opportunity to pray at some point before others. Prayer should not be something that we shy away from just because other people are there. But Jesus is saying it should not be something that we all want to do because we want to gain the appreciation or the to, to gain a reputation before people. Because that's useless. It's man worship. Our prayer is to God because He's the one that answers. Just like you talk many times 
when you're having a one-on-one conversation with a person and then another person happens to, you know, come in, well, that's how it is when you many times are praying by yourself when someone happens to hear you. Now, there is a difference in that and also what is termed in the church as leading in prayer. The idea there is one, excuse me, who leads in prayer is speaking on behalf of the congregation. So that person is uttering something that the entire congregation should be unified in and should be praying with him. So therefore, when you hear someone pray in the service, it's not just, I'm going to listen and see what this person says and you know, hopefully it will be a good prayer and everything. No, you are invited as a part of the congregation to participate in that. You, are, you should agree with that person actively while you have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, which is not necessarily the only biblical way to pray. Okay? Never tells us to do that. Yet, in our culture, that is a sign of both respect at times, but also keeping your eyes closed is a really good way to keep out a lot of distractions. So, but the prayer Jesus is talking about here is communion between yourself and God. So he says in verse 6, When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. So this afternoon, I want to speak about growing in a deeper prayer life from these verses. We already know how we should not pray. We should not pray trying to attract attention. But Jesus not only tells us how we should not pray, He also tells us how we should pray. And there's two things that that I want us to take from this. There are a lot of other things that can be said about prayer, but these are the two things from this passage in particular that I want us to see. Number one, Your prayer life begins in private. Your prayer life begins in private. He said, when you've entered into your closet, when you've shut your door, pray to your Father, which is in secret. When you're praying, you're praying to God. And it is you and your Father. Jesus knew the importance of time with God the Father. We read many times that He would go off in a place quietly alone to pray. It's very likely that the reason Judas knew exactly where to direct the leaders and and the, the guard where Jesus was, was because Judas knew where Jesus regularly went to pray when he was in that area. That's just a a guess, but I think it's a, a likely guess. But prayer takes cultivation. You can't just sit down with a person that you barely know 
and have a long, drawn-out conversation with that person. Now, I realize at times you may have been able to do something like that, but it's rare. Having real communication, and I'm not just talking about trading facts. I'm talking about communication. That takes a while to develop. Prayer takes practice. Anyone can talk to God. Anyone can. If you are truly praying, it's because the Spirit has drawn you to pray. But communication takes work. If you doubt that, ask someone who's married whether communication takes work. Although I doubt it. I don't think any of you would doubt that. Married or not, you know that I mean, sure, you and communication is not just talking. Communication is sharing, being open, and also receiving what is said. And that's what our goal should be with the Father. Jesus will give us an example of how we should pray in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And we'll look at that hopefully next week. But because you have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ... He now calls you into His presence. He calls you to Himself alone. He says, come to Me. If you've ever wanted to know what this type of prayer life would look like, if you've ever wanted to, to observe someone who had a very strong and potent prayer life, whose prayers were answered, and who had true communication with God, then you don't have to look any further than the book of Psalms. David gives us a more intimate picture of one man's communication with God Almighty than any other in all Scripture. We see small prayers that Jesus prayed in Psalm 17 and in Matthew 6. We read of prayers of prophets like Moses and Elisha. We read of Solomon's prayers as well as others like Paul. But we have a greater depth and breadth to David's prayers than anyone else in Scripture. And because it is inspired text, we can know that this should be our goal and our desire is to have communication in a similar way that David did. And knowing that the Lord is sanctifying us, we can trust 
And we can believe that He will draw us through the course of our lives to where we can have greater communication with Him. And even if your prayer life to God is never on earth the way that it is, or at least never in this life the way that it is with uh, the way that it was with David, you can know that in time it will be. You will have communication with your Father that will surpass anything that you have right now. You say, well, if I'm going to have it then, 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 then what's the point right now? The point is that there is life to be lived. And true life begins with communion with God. You can't have life apart from Him. So, spend time with God. Pray, speak to Him, and let Him speak to you. And when I say let Him speak to you, I'm not saying as the Eastern religions do, to empty yourself of all thoughts. Okay? Because when you try to empty yourself, well, you will not be totally successful. And, you open yourself up to hearing things that are not exactly inspired at best. Now, the way you hear God most often is through reading and meditating on His Word. See, Christian meditation is when you take a portion of the Word and you think on it. You consider it. You digest it. That is how the Lord speaks. And, and I'm, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, because in the way that we a lot of times rationally think, we, we, we just say, oh, all you're saying is, I think about this and then a new definition comes to mind and I say, hey, God spoke to me because I had this new definition of this portion of a verse that I can understand now. And that's got, no. The gift of communication is by the Holy Spirit. So the things, when you're meditating on the Word, we are promised that He gives wisdom. He imparts wisdom supernaturally by His Spirit. So therefore, He does speak to you and He speaks through the text. Our goal should not be to hear something, especially that is removed from the text of God's Word, Our goal should be to hear what He says through His Word. And this does not require an hour or two hours a day. Although that's good if you can spend it in reading and meditating and prayer. 
It is better to spend, brothers and sisters, ten minutes in prayer to God than an hour worrying to yourself. Now, I'm not saying that ten minutes is the only thing we should shoot for. But I know some of you sisters are young mothers of young children. And the time to spend in prayer and meditation and reading uh, is just not there like it used to be. As I read in one book written by a mom of five, who are all five and under, she said, you know, I thought I was really spiritual before I had children because I could spend an hour reading the Word and in prayer, and it was glorious. She said, and now, about five to ten minutes seems some days like an absolute impossibility. So, what do you do? Well, you take what you can. I'm not going to say that the answer is, well, you just need to wake up earlier. That, that would that would be very um, that'd be very wrong if I were to say that. But take whatever you can and the opportunities that are given to you. And if if all you can take time for again is ten minutes to do at least that consistently will benefit you far greater than neglecting it because all I have is 10 minutes or 20 minutes or something like that and that's not enough time and then say, but one day I'm going to have such and such amount of time and because the kids will be taken care of and I'll be able to spend a long time with the Lord and then the time comes and it doesn't happen. And I know I'm, I'm speaking to moms here, but I think all of us can relate to things like this coming up. We say, well, all I have is such and such amount of time. And I'm not, you know, I'm not neglecting the importance of discipline. If you have time, you don't have responsibilities pulling at you. And Facebook's not a responsibility, alright? Just put that out. Twitter is not... Uh, the equivalent to a two-year-old. But, even though they start with TW, it's a very different thing. When you are pulled, though, take whatever time you can to spend with your God. Because He's the one who gives you strength. He's the one that gives you encouragement. And let me also, though, warn you of this. Whatever time you have, whether it's 15 minutes, whether it's 50 minutes, it will not be helpful to you unless you come to God with a submissive and an open heart. If you come to Him With your own agenda. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, 
and I'm going to pray about this, and I'm going to ask him to fix so-and-so and to take care of so-and-so because they've got problems. It, 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 it's not going to work. We have to be open the way that David was in Psalm 39. I'm not going to read all of Psalm 39, but just a few select verses. Verse 2, I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned. Then I spake with my tongue, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Verse 8, Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I was dumb. I opened not my mouth because thou didst it. Remove thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thine hand. This is what we should aim for. This type of gut level honesty. So submit yourself to Him in faith and in private and trust that He will answer what you need. The second thing that Jesus tells us to do in addition to pray the fact that our prayer life begins in private, he says that we should pray meaningful prayers. Pray meaningful prayers. Verses 7 and 8, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. The term vain repetition means empty prayers. This happens when one's words are not spoken with knowledge of the one to whom you're speaking. In other words, you're talking, but but you're only talking without much thought. We've all been in conversation with someone who we hear what they say, but you can quickly tell that something distracted them and they're not there. Words are coming out of their mouth but it's like they're on autopilot. Or maybe you've been in conversation with someone when that was the case. You get a thought in your mind, you're having this conversation with a person, and all of a sudden you're thinking about something else, you're looking at them, your eyes kind of glaze over a little bit, and then you just keep on using the, 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 the words, but you're not there. Because you're not really communicating with that person, you're meditating on something else. This is the idea behind vain repetition. Now also, some using vain repetition, they they were just using the same words over and over again, not because they wanted God to hear, but because they wanted the people to hear. They, they wanted to use the right language in their prayers to attract attention. Again, they wanted people to think, how spiritual this person is. Oh my, did you hear that prayer? That prayer was wonderful. And Jesus said, actually that prayer is garbage. 
because it's not prayed with a heart towards God. Jesus is not condemning mature prayers. He's not condemning prayers that are full of beautiful words. Beautiful words are a gift of God because they can express things that I know for myself when I read a prayer that someone else has written that I appreciate. They, they're saying things that I can only begin to communicate on my own. That I wish I could say, but just the words don't come. So I can appreciate what is being spoken. Well, Jesus is is not saying that that's wrong, but He's also not saying that simple prayers are wrong. The point is that we need to be considerate. And I don't mean here when I say considerate, have good manners. But we need to carefully consider what we are saying and to whom we are saying it. So, briefly let me give you four ways, and these are not explicitly from the text, but four ways to not use vain repetition. Number one, focus on what you're doing. Focus on what you are doing. And when I say that, I just mean don't... And this takes work, okay? This is not easy. But don't allow distracting things that have, that have happened to, to crowd your mind and then you just kind of go somewhere else, but you're still talking to God. At least you're still using words that sound like you're talking to Him. It is important to keep focused on who you're talking to. And if that means your prayer short, that's fine. Because again, this takes, I mean, this is a discipline. It's like, I mean, most of us want to have prayer lives the equivalent to being a marathon runner. You know, someone who can just start out and go the 26 miles, that's the type of prayer life we want. We want to be able to spend hours and hours potentially in prayer, but someone who wants to run a marathon can't just go out one day and say, you know, I've never run before, but I think I'm going to try, I won't go all the way, I'll just try moderate 13 miles instead of 26. Well, they'll be jogging about the first mile and a half, and they're going to run out of gas. And it's not going to be pretty. And then... If they make it to about two or three miles after that first time, the next day they're going to be curled up in a ball and probably will not be able to stretch out as like a normal human being for a day or two. Okay? Well, prayer is a discipline. And part of that discipline is focusing on the one to whom you're communicating with. Number two. Think about what you're saying. 
think about what you are saying. It's good to pray what's in your heart. I mean, you read the Psalms, you, you, you read David praying a lot of things that some of us wouldn't dare pray. But remember the one that you're praying to. He is the Father of the world. The Father of the universe. He created the universe. He's the sovereign. He controls the universe. And He should not be lightly addressed. So, so this means don't, be, don't try to be overly casual. Because remember, this is the God of heaven and earth that you're speaking with. His name should not be taken in vain. That is one of the commandments. And I know that that's referring to in prayer, that's not the primary meaning of that third commandment, but it is an application of the third commandment. That we should not in our prayers, because you know, a lot of times our, our prayers just, we run out of things to say really quick and we've only taken up about 30-something seconds and so we feel like we need to just go on a little bit further or else, you know, I'm not a very good person. So then we just start throwing in a lot of, you know, we, we say the Lord's name about every three words. Well, if I was talking to Brother Mike and he and I are having a conversation and I said, Brother Mike, I think that we should, Brother Mike, go into your office and Brother Mike talk about this book. And then, Brother Mike, we're going, that gets really irritating after a little bit. Okay? Well, God is not wholly removed from that. I mean, He has emotions the way that we do. And I don't mean they're fluctuating, but I mean things like love and Anger at times and mercy. That's all part of who He is. So, when you're speaking with Him, think about what you're saying. And don't just say words. Number three, be honest in your prayers. Be honest. This is not taking away from what I just said about the need to not address Him lightly, but at the same time, it means you don't come with this closed off reservation that says I've got to I've got to be really strict and I've got to be really careful what I say because Brother Matt just said that I can't be too you know bad with the way I talk and so so I no don't bind yourself that way speak what is in your heart if you if you speak to God as who He is. And you focus on what you are doing. He already knows what's in your heart. So you can share it with Him. If it's sinful, then you confess it to Him. It's not going to take Him by surprise. He loves you. He's your Father. He's not just the Father. He's your Father. So talk to Him like not even a distant father. 
but like one to whom you could go right up to. Like a little child does his or her father and just wrap your arms around them and say, Daddy, can I have this? Same idea. And lastly, to prevent vain repetition, be open to using written prayers. Be open to using written prayers. Now, at first glance, this may, or at first sound, this may occur to you that it's, I'm encouraging vain repetition. That is a prominent among some in the Baptist tradition to say that any prayer that is written, well, it's empty because it's already down there. How can you mean something that's not in your heart? Have you ever been so filled with an emotion that you couldn't really, you couldn't clearly speak what was in your heart? Have you ever been so frustrated or so sad or so depressed or so joyful that you just couldn't get it out? A written prayer, whether you have written it yourself, whether someone else has written it, that helps to get it out. Again, they can put... the. They can put to words what you yourself cannot. And the place to start is the Psalms. God's people have always been known in the past as as being lovers of the Psalms. Still, the Psalms is one of the most popular books, not only in the Bible, but one of the most popular literature, literature books in world history. But it teaches us how to pray. It gives us examples of prayers. Now, written prayers can be vain repetition. If you just read them blindly and you don't think about them, if it's just something, emotion that you're going through, then sure, it's vain repetition. But you can do the exact same thing when you're saying words with your mouth. You can do the same thing when someone else is praying and you're inside thinking about the lyrics to a song that you heard last night on the way home from work. That's making a prayer vain. So anyone, whether the prayer is written or whether it's being spoken, it can be vain repetition. So the answer is to think about what you are saying. And one advantage to a prayer that it's already written is that you can better think about it because it's already there. You don't have to form words in your mind and then let them come out of your mouth. You have the words there. I'm not criticizing prayers that are prayed without the use of, without being written extemporaneous prayers. But I'm saying for many of us, we don't, we are not open normally to using written prayers and we should be. And just 
a few resources that I found helpful to myself that have been good for saints in the past from uh, different traditions than our own. One is the Book of Common Prayer, which is in the Anglican tradition. Uh, I would suggest something 1928 or before because the modern versions are just a little bit more liberal. The really modern versions are liberal. But 1928 and before, going back to even 1662, they're pretty solid. And I'm not endorsing all the theology in the Book of Common Prayer. But I will say I like a lot of the prayers in there. Uh, another is uh, another resource is by Matthew Henry, the Scripture commentator. Uh, he's from the Reformed tradition, and it's just called A Method for Prayer. Uh, there's a resource online. I can't remember the website right now, but it actually has his book, A Method for Prayer, right there. And so if you just type in Matthew Henry, A Method for Prayer, it'll bring it up. But it also it's a, a book that you can buy, and it will just take you through various prayers as he teaches. I mean, the book is, is intended to teach people how to pray. There are some wonderful prayers in that book. And another... Uh, by a man named Dr. John Haberman from the Lutheran tradition is called Morning and Evening Prayers for All Days of the Week. Morning and Evening Prayers for All Days of the Week. All of these are in the public domain. There's not a copyright on them. So if you have an iPad or an iPhone or a Kindle or anything like that, you can download these to your resource or look at them on your computer or actually, if you want to be really antiquated, buy the book and go through it. But they all are very helpful in growing in our prayer life because they are, while not at all infallible resources, they are helpful resources to teach us Growing in a deeper prayer life is not something we can do with one giant leap. It takes a little work on a consistent basis. But if we pursue this, we will be able to say we have communion with God. Let's pray. Father, we give you glory and honor and strength Unto you belongs all greatness and majesty and power. We ask that you would preserve us and keep us from the evil one and teach us how we should pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.